I'm not saying the price I want to be since we've been doing this so much I sort of been getting a taste for their little craziness but like this isn't like what I actually be like hmm if I was re if I was gonna price this for people like that chronograph should be like $1,800 and that dive watch should be like I don't know $1,100 $1,200 maybe I remember when the Seiko dive watch was like $350 and you were like, wow, that's a lot of watch for the money. Now, like that doesn't exist anymore, even though the watch still exists. Greetings and welcome to this week's A Blog to Watch Weekly. First up, let me just confirm with the gentlemen that are on this call. David, have you sold a watch via A Blog to Watch in the last week? No, I have not. Good. Ariel, have you sold a watch via A Blog to Watch in the last week? No. Excellent, or ever. Ed, or ever, and Ed, welcome to the show again. Have you sold a watch on a blog to watch in the last week? I have not. Then I can happily confirm it's 5,932 days since a blog to watch last sold a watch, which is actually never, because we don't sell watches, we report on them. And that is what we're going to do for you good folks that are listening this week. And we're going to be joined by Ed, who apparently is in Japan taking pictures of French signposts for David. It's an unusual story, but it's actually where we're going to begin. Gentlemen, care to explain the the slightly in-joke that I've been experiencing on WhatsApp with the pair of you? I mean, I'll, I'll leave it to David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, we were in passed. Geneva. Le and, Buck and, and... passed. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, we, we were in Geneva and, and I was just freaking out over all these signs that have like Le Hotel, Le Restaurant. And it's just, it's the same thing without Le in front of it. But then it wouldn't be French. But it's just so, like, up there in, in all kinds of ways. And apparently, um, Ed has been finding uh, a lot of similar signs in Japan, of all places. So he's been um, documenting this for me just to uh, tease me with those. I wanted desperately to go to Japan, uh, uh -huh. but I'm having second thoughts now. Because <laughs> of bad signage. <laughs> yeah, I have, I, have, I have a separate album on my... Uh, on my iPhone of photos <laughs> that I've sent to David in various locations of just le cafes and that's le, actually true le airports and well, such. So I, I think it's I think it would only be fair to let the rest of the watch world in on this. So if you do recall, David's Instagram account is what is it, David? ABW <laughs> underscore David. It is. Yeah, I'm happy to know it very well. I'm happy to send these photos to anyone who wants as well. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, if you happen to be listening to the show and you're near any signage that has a lot in it, you should be immediately posting it on Instagram and copying David into it. So, uh, we'll we'll, we'll make a new David's social inbox. media account. We'll just call yeah. it Let Account. Okay. <laughs> I want or to know. Is le the... underscore David or le, le blog to watch? <laughs> le blog to watch. That's great. Oh, what, what have I done? <laughs> well, I want to know if the band. Are you familiar with the band The The? Yes. Yeah. So, how does that work then? Is that like le 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 le? I don't know. Le, if le if bon. the band The The are playing in concert in are are being presented on stage by the tour host. Of the concert, are they introduced as la 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 or something? I don't know. I don't know, yeah. but Ariel better he better register the blog to watch now because someone's going to do it. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <sighs> Good stuff. <laughs> well, let's establish where everybody is in the world because we are spread across across the globe. I am in currently very dark Scotland. David, are you? The, the Don chorus is going in Hungary, I assume. Oh yes, absolutely. Full blast. 
Excellent. Ariel, where are you residing after your sojourning in Dubai? Uh, I'm at home in Los Angeles for a few days, mm-hmm. then a quick sojourn to New York, and then maybe home for up to a month. Excellent. Christmas is coming. Ed. Yes, I'm in Japan currently. Osaka, Japan. specifically. I, I, are you there for reasons you can tell us, or is it top secret? Oh, completely for uh, vacation time and also to take or- more signs of... Uh, <laughs> random things for David. Excellent. Well, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's a it's a free you know it's a short life, but it's a free life, so you are entitled to yeah. do exactly as you please with it. So taking photos of signs for David is <laughs> reasonable. Let's uh, let's talk about some watches. There's been quite a lot going on, and we'll intersperse it with some Dubai Watch Week follow up. But let's start with. David's article from a couple of Mondays ago, Grinding Gears, I Miss the Time When Luxury Watches Did Crazy Stunts, Sports and Feats. David, what's the craziest thing you've seen a watch brand do? Well, a watch brand is a different thing, but here I'm talking about what a watch does. And uh, <laughs> because those are two separate <laughs> things. Watch brands do all kinds of crazy stuff. But here, let's focus on the watch. And um, I think, you know, I, I really liked when uh, Zenit supplied Felix Baumgartner with one of their watches and he just uh-huh. jumped from the edge of space uh, in a space suit uh, with a watch strapped to the outside of his um, space suit, which is, again, a very, very cool thing. He even passed the speed of sound just falling in free fall. So the guy set up like three different uh, world records. I think that was very cool. Um, you know, it's, it's just stuff like this. And uh, I, I list a few other examples uh, in this article. And basically, the whole point is that I, I I miss a lot of these things happening more frequently than they are these days. Is it because they tend to involve good junket trips for journalists? Yeah, I've, I, it's it's been a long while I've been to the edge of space. It's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, who knows? Maybe I, I, would, I would go there for sure. David, is there something specific you want to see a watch doing? Because I think that... It always depends on the and the activity, and some might argue, well, like a watch has basically been everywhere, and now there's potentially outer space. But I'm, I'm wondering what it is you want to see a watch attempt to do. But the main thing in this article, and it, it came up also when I wrote about the uh, the five cool and five bad things about the Daytona, is that I want to see more watches uh, being worn while racing. Uh, so in race cars. Because there are so many chronographs and so many of the so many chronographs are inspired by motorsports like this, like that. And as you say, they they've been there, they've done that, but they don't do it anymore. And uh, we are you know just speeding towards this uh, this. Um, I have a question. Um, you know how with it, passenger cars they have these testing facilities with the crash test yeah. dummies. Do they have the same type of thing for race cars? Like, could you be the official watch of the race car crash test dummy? I, that that could be a thing because they are crush tested. Yes. Yeah. So that see um, that's that's one of the places where they have a lot of G's, a lot of shock because you don't really want to crash race cars. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> the race car drivers don't. So the only way of really like showing that it can put up with crazy abuse is the crash test dummies, right? Yes, uh, I guess. But uh, one of the one of the examples that I highlight in this article is Felipe Massa having a, a big shunt in uh, in Canada. It was like a twenty seven G crash, and he just gets out of the car, and there's like doctors and other people around him just to check if he's okay and he's fine. And he removes his gloves, which is very rare that we see you know uh, people do that. And he's sitting on the edge of the cockpit of the, of his car, and his onboard camera records the whole thing, and you can see that there's a Richard Mille on his wrist. So he was racing the whole time with a watch on his wrist. 
And that's rare because most of the watches today are not allowed to be worn in, in, a, in a racing environment because they are made of metal or other uh, flammable materials. It either gets very hot or it gets fires, etc. So, uh, you know, even their like socks and like shoes and the all overall and everything, basically it all has to be fireproof and, and safety um, and compliant. And so that watch by, you know, every chest uh, was allowed to be worn in, in the cockpit. And basically, long story short, what I would like to see is more brands to claim that they are making motorsport chronographs, put them, maybe not in F1, maybe in a, in a rally car, maybe, you know, wherever, I don't, I don't care, but just create at least one model. Not all of them need to comply with these kinds of regulations and stuff, but at least like one Halo model should be. Like, uh, you know, brands are selling uh, dive watches that are two or 300 meter uh, divers, and then they make a 6,000 uh, meter diver. Not because people will just go out and just buy that um on mass but because it's it's a halo product so that's what i think is missing big time from chronographs these days we've talked about this before but there really isn't fire retardant standards either like you're talking about fire resistance and they always talk about all these resist resistances but especially straps i've never seen anyone specifically mention that outside of maybe one or two exotic situations of fire resistance so like I, i'm just saying they talk about you know water resistance to places we'll never go I guess you have a slightly <laughs> higher chance of having your watch catch on fire than you being, uh, you know, a thousand meters underwater. I guess that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> Both of those eventualities sound pretty remote, to be fair. Imagine Ed... a case back that says fire resistant. How cool is that? <laughs> Especially Water if it was plan. fire resistant. Uh, David, yes. before we before uh, Ed and Ariel join us, we were having a talk about EU standards, and you know fine well that the European Union would prevent anybody putting that on the back of their watch. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. But then, you know, the Americans can have all the good stuff, and the Japanese, yeah, yeah. and then we, we'll just go over there and buy it from them. And <laughs> bring it in. Ed, most ridiculous thing you've ever witnessed a watch do? You've been on some trips. Oh, man. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Feel free to think about it now. Yeah, <laughs> put me on the spot. I, I don't can't think of anything oh. ridiculous. I mean, I think that's kind of to David's point, like that there isn't anything that's like crazy ridiculous that's done with watches actually on people's wrists. They're more stories that surround the watches, but not the actual thing itself, the event. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you see these case manufacturers for like iPhones and things, throwing them out of helicopters and dropping them off of buildings. Do we need some more of that? Some actual actual risk throwing some g-shock i mean and you see g-shock you know they do their you see the testing they put their watches through and occasionally yes. they'll they'll do a wee video of it being hurled from somewhere significant yeah and, and walking away unscathed well D david mentioned the uh that richard meal of that nadal wears what's that like the, the arm 27 like that thing is super cool it's a really cool looking watch and functionally it withstands the what ten thousand plus g's or whatever measurement it is that tennis players uh encounter when they're playing a game like i don't know that'd be fun to just like go out strap on a bunch of new richard meals that have the same kind of technology and like play tennis with i don't know maybe not at all but someone you know like that's a practical thing that you know could conceivably do be done in a in a press trip setting um but that that particular watch stands i think like is a really kind of practical modern example of, of a watch that really can be used in that kind of setting and it is like serious g-forces that are that are exerted upon it and it and it still stands the test and still keeps on working so that's pretty cool to actually see it in in action like that 
Now, is the opposite also true? There are some brands, <coughs> Omega, that need to shut up about what their watches allegedly did back in the day and move <laughs> on. Are, are there brands that need to move along? It still sells watches, though. That's the sad thing. <laughs> it does. It does. It does still sell watches. Yes. Uh, I think Sin is, is freezing their watches to like minus 40 or 45 degrees or something like that. I remember seeing these pictures of like these iced up completely frozen in washes. So kudos to that. I was just going to say that I remember one instance where a watch was put through an in interesting test. This was when um, Philippe Anti was still working at Ball Watch and he was developing their shock resistance system like spring lock and stuff like that. And uh, at the time, um, uh, the Kiss drummer, Eric Singer, was sort of a friend of the brand. He's a watch lover. And and he and, and Philippe Anti was a big Kiss fan. And make a long story short, uh, Eric agreed to wear this ball watch while he's drumming. And that's that's a lot of force on there. And I didn't even think you could necessarily do that. I guess it was snug enough. And then if Philippe would, would test the watch and he would evaluate it and see sort of how it was doing. So I don't know the full story, but I thought it was interesting that over the course of an entire um, concert tour, um, he would both wear the watch and then Philippe would like from time to time when he go to the show, check it out and see what all that drumming did to it. So that was interesting. That there are there is a small but very niche community of drummers that are also fans of watches, of which I happen to be one of them. And my Panerai survives perfectly fine being played on the drums. Never had any issues with it. Cool. I have had issues with one or two other watches. Oh. It is the, t it is the test I like to put them through. Do I feel that this watch feels like it's okay being played on the drums? And, and I, I wear my watch on the left wrist, which means it really does get it because you're, you know, the snare drum is is where all the the high pressure activity is especially if you're wearing a watch on your left wrist so yeah there is there is a wee community of of watch geeks and drummers that share 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 the the, the odd whatsapp conversation but there we go we actually might have uh, one of the more slightly more famous ones on the show soon so there we go let's uh, delve into a bit of dubai watch week ed ario Anything further to report from the last, from when last we recorded? I mean, we're still both heavily jet lagged. So, <laughs> uh, it, look, it was a great show. We had a good time. We saw a lot of watches. Um, I was just recently looking over a list at some of the Siddiqui exclusive watches, which were debuted there. And, you know, honestly, there's so much personality and style and taste in them. You know, you tend to think of like limited editions for a retailer just having some different color here and there. Uh, but the Siddiqui's especially, I think out of all the retailer groups, do some of the best limited editions. And I, you know, I guess you can get them from afar, but these are ones that the retailer works with their author, you know, the, the brands are authorized to sell to make interesting uh, versions of it. And and they're, and they're very spirited. They're very artistic. Some of them are fun. The one they did with uh, Reservoir Watches has um, sort of a cartoon dial done by a local um, Dubai artist and there's sort of an Emirati on there and just you don't you just don't really see cartoon renditions like that very often so you see a culture that's able to uh, be playful and and at least from a wristwatch perspective not take itself too seriously which is not sort of what you assume because we think of uh you know what were the limited editions for that for the golf you know with the sort of little um you know the the cross swords and the seals and the di dictator faces and stuff like that um and, and now it's gotten uh remarkably uh, universal in its appeal. Hmm. Ed, was your first Dubai watch week? Reflections on the show? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess like Ario was saying, I, I feel pretty jet lagged, so I don't, I don't fully recall what all we talked about last <laughs> week, and I think it was literally a week ago, and it feels like so much longer than that. Um, I mean, I agree with Ario. The Siddiqui additions are really cool. I think that Doxa 300 beta we talked about uh, that still stands out as uh, one of the cooler looking pieces overall. That uh, it seemed to be that blue was the color of uh, the week for all those or a good majority of those watches. So that one stands out. But to that reservoir point, I kind of like that. I randomly, I had a later flight. I had not the red eye immediately after the last night of the show. I had it the day after. So I kind of had the that last afternoon free. So I kind of went outside the confines of that uh, financial center that we're staying in. And then I went to, I don't know what neighborhood, uh, but I saw uh, on the wall uh, the cartoonist, the guy that uh, the Reservoir Watch uh, Limited Edition is based off. Of, and I'm like, oh, I recognize that. That's the guy that uh, is responsible for that reservoir piece. And I just thought that was so cool because it was just such a random find, uh, not anything to do with watches, uh, very many neighborhoods removed. Uh, and to see that piece was like, oh, that's kind of cool to see this cartoon mural made by this guy that was commissioned to do this piece and that the story is authentic. Not that, you know, they would have made it up anyway, but to actually see it as part of the fabric of random Dubai wanderings. I thought that was pretty cool. So I, I like that authentic connection. And it didn't say Le Cartoon above it, no? Yeah, it was just, uh, I don't even remember what it said. It was just this big uh, uh, kind of like mural panel. And I can't remember the neighborhood I saw it. But yeah, it was so random. It uh -huh. just caught my eye. And then I was like, hey, I know that aesthetic. That's totally the the cartoonist that did that watch. So is the docs of the watch that you are still thinking about or is there any other uh, releases or particular watches that have seared themselves into your into your mind? The docs was really nice, summer? by the way. I yeah, the really cool docs was really nice. I mean, I think we talked after we had one day, uh, one day's mm. worth of uh, meetings and strolling around the show. I got to see the Chopard LUC Strike 1, I think the last day of the show. And that is a very excellent watch. It's not Siddiqui limited, obviously, but uh, it is limited in itself. It's 25 pieces, I believe. Uh, 18 karat white gold case. It's got an hourly chiming mechanism. Uh, it's just a beautiful dial, uh, guilloche uh, hexagonal uh, pattern. And it is, I'm, it's just one of those pieces you see uh, and you can't help but love it. So that one. That, that one definitely stands out, and that was one that we hadn't seen early on in the show. Ariel, standout watch for you, the Doxa, and plus what else? Um, from the Siddiqui Limited Editions, um, you know, I, I think that one of the interesting ones was the Resonance. I forgot the precise name of it, but it was not the first one they'd done. Um, but it was sort of a level of artistry that I've never seen from a Resonance, which was supposed to be sort of this very technical style brand. And all of a sudden, you see art. It's not arguably the first art, art watch they've done, but for me, it was the one that really stood out as them officially sort of having an artistic side that was playful. And it was just, um, I don't think that, that Rezons would have done it without the inspiration um, from Siddiqui. So I really felt like it was good collaboration because it wasn't like Siddiqui being like, make me something special. It was like them giving a lot of input. And um, again, I don't know the full story behind it, but um, I, I think what's also interesting is that uh, now Siddiqui has their own brand, so <laughs> um, it's not 
officially all of Siddiqui. I think it's, you know, it's Penda's Muhammad Siddiqui's uh, brand, but it's called Vintage with a Y, a little bit strange, but um, they just decided to have their own brand. No, I, I didn't really hear the whole plan behind it. Um, but despite all the many amazing brands I have now, they're like, okay, let's get in on the game. And it seems kind of a, sort of like a little side fun project, but that was, that was sort of a left field thing that uh, nobody expected. Uh, stories from the show, any good gossip? Um, I, you know, I generally sort of stay away from that. I mean, I would like to hear business uh, stuff. I think we're definitely seeing that uh, a buyer's market is returning. So we had several years of things being really good. I remember the last Dubai watch week, they were just like, yeah, it's just, you know, the orders keep coming in and are like, um, we have, you know, four or five years of production and they just, every, all these brands, even the small ones thought they were on top of the world. And some of them were pr pragmatic, like Armin Strom, for example, who's seen a lot of, weathered a lot of storms. They're like, yes, demand is very high right now. Of course, it's not going to last. Uh, but a lot of companies really banked on it. And so now demand is going uh, back down. Uh, there's a lot of new brands. And so the question is, in a very sobering economic environment, how many of these new brands um, can make it? Um, and how many you know can endure the five, six, seven, eight years of sort of struggle that is often necessary for new brands prior to them getting any type of stride. Yeah. Ed, any good stories from the stands? Um, not particularly, but after we had recorded that first day, um, I think we were in the middle of the rain delay and it was just like, there were just funny occurrences throughout the rest of the week. So we went back to the show later that afternoon uh, and they were tearing down uh, or a lot of our, a lot of the, meetings that we had in the surrounding booths actually had to be canceled. So it was just funny walking up to a booth like Ulysses Narden and the meeting being canceled because the booth was waterlogged. So the irony of that was uh, is pretty funny to to behold. And uh, yeah, it was just little, little quirks like that, that we saw. And, you know, I think earlier we were doing just kind of an informal poll of the kind of rich, uh, wrist spotting that we had seen on on day one and i think i'd mentioned i hadn't seen so many richard meals in the wild since i don't know how when since since how long and the rest of the week uh richard meal maintained the lead and maybe even expanded the lead i have i have no idea why i just saw so many richard meals i found that very very amusing but um yeah Great. And uh, were, were either of the pair of you allowed on the Grand Seiko stand after last week's show? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, it was kind <laughs> you, of a there bit, by yourselves. <laughs> bit of a ghost town. There. Look, there were some people there, but it's just, it's not, that's not the, the region that they put a lot of effort in. That mm. Look, everyone takes a long time in a crowded market to make a little noise. The Middle East is a very mature, well-developed region. And I'm not sure there's a particular place for Grand Seiko because they want things a lot more grand and maybe a lot less Seiko a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's, I don't know that's the perfect market for it. So like, yes, it makes sense for Grand Seiko to show up. I'm sure there's buyers there, but um, I just think that there's a lot of other watches people would rather buy before that right now. I'm not sure mm. what sort of market purpose it serves. For the Emiratis, it's, it's definitely not flashy enough. For the regular folks, it's probably too expensive. Well, we were joking about it last week about like <laughs> dials inspired by the color of, of the pavement after it rains in Dubai. But um, like there's a legitimate, there's a legitimate natural pattern uh, for the dial that could be inspired by the desert. Like it's not, it's not 
really heavy lifting as far as uh, coming up with inspiration. Like I don't see why they couldn't come up with a Siddiqui or Middle Eastern market focused dial that's inspired because by Grand XYZ. Seiko doesn't have the market cornered on dials that look like things. In fact, they don't do a very good job of it. They just have some abstract color and texture, and then they say some random thing. You're like, oh, ice, uh, okay. Like well, so other even, brands yeah. actually do that better. Hublot did desert sand in one of their watches that had desert sand and concrete. It was one of the Yeah, the concrete was, watch was really it was gorgeous. Cool. But even yeah, more like, to the point, like that makes it easier for them to be able to do it. You know, they do so many. There's no reason why they couldn't do one that's a sand inspired, like a very specific desert inspired okay. watch or like. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They're there trying, you know, eventually, right? Sure. <laughs> well, it would seem. Uh, good place to end uh, ed's uh, virgin streak of never having taken part in guess the price of a seiko so we have two seikos that have been uh, released or spoken about in the website this week so we will include ed in our game and see how he gets on so first up the seiko prospect speed timer oh, hold on i'm going to start again take a breath here we go Seiko Prospect Speed Timer Mechanical Chronograph SRQ047 and Limited Edition SRQ049 watches. There we go. Short and snappy and to the point as ever with Seiko. So what gentlemen would you like to know about this watch? It is 42 millimeters wide. It is your favorite 14.6 millimeters thick. That's so bad. Based, based on a classic 1970s look. The movement, oh, it's a panda dial layout. Uh, the movement. What's the what's movement? The movement is an 8R48 automatic chronograph. Okay, I'm going to go. 25 hours per reserve. 2,500 bucks. 2,500 bucks. 2,500 bucks. Right, okay. Uh, David? 2,100. 2,100. Ed? Uh, I'm going to go price is right, and I'm going to go 20. 99 2019 <laughs> Okay well I <laughs> Okay that's confusing me Ed Ed you were not brought into this game to make it more difficult Right okay so the winner actually spot on for the non limited edition is Ariel at 2500 oh, I should have gone 20, 2501 2501 you got to play the game you're you're uh, too far under so you're out for really? the next round this is, I think the first uh, time I've ever won this game yeah 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 and yes. uh, limited edition and you'll never win again right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't get over don't get over confident <laughs> as I'd say uh, 2700 USD for the limited edition it's quite an attractive watch but there's a gazillion other things that look like this I'm sorry uh, gentlemen any thoughts on the watch itself it's nice looking yeah looks great it, would you spend two and a half thousand notes on this? Um, I mean, you could go. You could do a lot worse for a mechanical chronograph. It'll last you real long. I mean, it's it doesn't have like it's like a nerd watch. Like it's a cool nerd watch. What I'm saying it's like at that price point, like a lot of people want to like impress people a little bit, and no one's gonna be like, "Oh man, Seiko." They're gonna be like, "Oh, cool, Seiko." <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that's it. Is it? You you spent how much on a Seiko? I'm saying if it's over a grand, it should be a grand Seiko. It's like, as simple as that. The most it's exciting a Seiko strategy. chronograph is a quartz to me that they don't <laughs> yes. make anymore. 
Uh, right, and the second Seiko covered on the website, which will take another breath because there's even more letters and numbers, is the Seiko Prospect Marine Master 1965 Divers Modern Reinterpretation SGE 101, SGE 099, and SGE 097 watches. Basically, the same watch in three different colours a kind of bluey one, a kind of blacky one, and a kind of whitey one with a silver bezel. Gentlemen, this is something to do with the 100th anniversary of Seiko, but they've been going on about that since... Wait, what were, what movements are 90s. these? This is a copy, or but not an exact, stress not an exact carbon copy of a 62 mass. It is 37, sorry, it's 39.5 millimetres, 12.3 thick, and the movement in it is... is, as he scrolls down... <laughs> The article to find out it is an 6L37 4 hertz 46 hours plus or minus well minus 10 to plus 15 seconds a day. Seiko's legendary accuracy. Uh, <laughs> what do we think? First of all, do we think it's more or less expensive than the previous one that we've just spoken about than the chronograph? I have literally no idea. I'm going to go <laughs> It more. would make no sense for it to be any more expensive, so it probably is. Okay, so let's have a guess. So, David Moore... No, I, I'm, I, I'm not giving it to them. I think it's it should be 1800 1800 Ariel. Yep. 1800 higher or lower? I think it's higher. I mean, we've been talking about some of these dive watches. It's just, like, insane. Like, they're, like, they're all, just like, Just say 1801. Grand. And then Ed will say I'm going to say three grand. Three grand from Ariel. Ed, what? I'm going to go higher. I'm going to say 3,000. I mean, I actually think it's probably like 3,500. <laughs> right, so 3,500. So, oh, like crazy. Grand. <laughs> okay. So if I tell you it's 2,800 USD, oh, so it's in fact more expensive than the last one. <laughs> uh, so, Ariel, again, you're actually the closest this is, to us. This is why we play this game to highlight how <laughs> incredibly random this is. Did Ariel say 3,000? Yeah. yeah, I, I was going to say 3,000. Yeah, I was going to say 3,001. So, yeah, sorry, anyway. you, you lost both rounds. Uh, <laughs> worthless. <laughs> it's going to be such a shame when That's the a lot of money. comes. It is. It's a very nice watch. I actually prefer it to the previous uh, chronograph, but the fact that it's a nicer looking watch doesn't mean it should necessarily be more expensive. That's not how it works. It's too small. A, a dive watch shouldn't be 39.5 millimeters. I'm sorry. That's just. Unreal. You, it's anyway, there we go. That's just with miniaturization. You pay more. You realize that, right? Ah, right. Is that what it is? It's the it's the whole well, two mil, two and a half millimeters less. That's that you've got that's what they're good at. It's all about sense. making things smaller, right? What are you talking about? It's going to be such a shame when one day Seiko sort out the pricing structure and we have to abandon this game. There's going to be there's going to be a manifesto, the Seiko manifesto, justifying their value because they literally want to tell us why it should be worth this. We obviously don't know. We're not smart enough to understand. They need to tell us. I tell you what, we'll do, Seiko. When the day comes that three week three watch. It reviews that three guess the price of a Seiko reviews happen in a row, and Ariel manages to get the price correct on each of those three episodes. Then we'll stop playing this game. 
for a bit at least. <laughs> but I don't think there's much chance to happen. I don't I see I'm not saying the price I want to be since we've been doing this so much. I sort of been getting a taste for their little craziness, but like this isn't like what I actually be like, hmm, if I was re- if I was gonna price this for people, like that chronograph should be like eighteen hundred dollars and that dive watch should be like, I don't know, eleven hundred dollars, twelve hundred dollars maybe. Even that even that at the over like I remember when the Seiko dive watch was like three hundred and fifty dollars, and you were like, "Wow, that's a lot of watch for the money." Now, like that doesn't exist anymore, even though yeah. the watch still exists. If it's over a grand, it's a grand Seiko. That's just a simple rule. It would work so easily, <laughs> so straightforward. Okay, you might need to allow for it where some currencies, you know, start in the tens of millions in terms of their their the number of zeros. Like Zimbabwe probably wouldn't work. But most other countries. Okay, in the world, you're overthinking at this point, but I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, well, let's do some overthinking on one of your articles, Ariel. Making sense of wristwatch customization. On your marks, get set, go. Make sense of wristwatch customization the for me. The funniest thing about wristwatch customization is that ever since I started doing what I do, even before, these companies would like make these elaborate online tools like, oh, the average person is going to go and they're going to crazy customize their watch and they're going to love it so much and we're going to make it for them, but we're going to make their dream come true. And it's failed every single time. And, you know, the funny thing is there's like, I don't know, maybe 5%, maybe less of watch buyers out there who ever actually have this desire to do it. Most people want someone else to do it for them. I basically go through all the different types of ways that watches can be customized from online customizers to af- aftermarket modifications and the difference between personalization, uh, what a bespoke watch is. Um, I just sort of try to explain it because sometimes these terms are used very interchangeably and they all mean very different things. And on a crazy side, you can spend millions of dollars and have like Vacheron make you a brand new movement that they'll advertise the hell out of but only sell to you. Um, and on the other side, there's places where you can get, you know, a bunch of different colors and things like that, and, uh, maybe choose from a few options. And I think it's interesting because customization for me is not, here's our three, you know, bezels, choose one. That's, that's a different thing. That's sort of a, a selector. So I think sometimes people call that customization. It's not. So I try to talk about through these various things to help make sense of it. Ed, ever owned a customized watch or customized one yourself? No, I haven't. I don't have the strongest opinions of it either way. I mean, I understand why some people want to do it. Um, and I'm just, I, I'm kind of of the opinion, just wear what you want. So, uh, yeah, I've never done it personally, but it's not a big deal to what me. What are you talking about? You totally personalized a watch. What did I personalize? Oh, you changed straps and then you basically, you know, you, you stone, you stone tumbled that watch to, Oh. Where it's um, uh, come on would that i okay does that count as customization i mean so uh, the story, yeah the, the quick story is basically i i just took a, a basic it was like the 35th anniversary uh g-shock full metal and it's like matte black or slightly gloss black and that same year that they had come out with the uh stonewashed ip version which had like a thousand dollar premium same watch same same module inside um, and I basically uh, took my full metal, very carefully uh, covered up the, the the crystal in front and then the case back. And then I basically hand tumbled it. So ceramic media put it in a, a protein a protein shaker, actually, filled with ceramic <laughs> media, cool. dropped the watch in, and then just shook it for I don't know how long, probably like 
all told, if you were running a stopwatch for the entire time I shook it, maybe like mm, 20 minutes worth. I don't know. Like I would do a, a handful of sessions. I, I'd shake it for a couple minutes, take it out, rinse it off, see if I liked the amount of abrasion and such. And then, you know, I did it to taste. And then it ended up looking exactly like that, that washed IP version. Uh, but it is technically uh, the full metal anniversary black one um, that you could get for, yeah, I think it was $1,000 cheaper. So does that count as customization? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I did want, I did specifically want to replicate the IP uh, version of the watch and effectively did the same thing that Casio does, except obviously they do in a different process. But uh, yeah, they're just, tumbling my understanding is that they do the same thing they're just tumbling the the component pieces to get that washed uh ip look so you get to advertise that yours was hand done yes that's, rather than machine so I mean, it's even more valuable that's that's very true <laughs> but i mean it is from from the outside you really cannot tell it looks like the ip right machine. uh but yes true. i guess technically speaking sure we'll give it to ariel i customized the watch david you recently did a self-built watch. Have you ever customized a watch that you own? Uh, only with scratches. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> that's just through hardware. Um, that, that's the only way I customize watches, Dude, really. Blood, sweat, and tears of being a watch journalist. Yes, and I've been intrigued by some danger. Of yeah, yeah, my middle name is Danger. I, I've seen, at least for my watch. Underscore Danger. Look, <laughs> underscore yes. Danger. Oh, Danger. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I like a bit of patina, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I've been intrigued by the Psycho mods uh, that create like cool-looking chronographs and stuff, where you can like seriously upgrade the quality of individual components. I think that there's uh, big, like you know, very fascinating potential in that system and the way that could work. And I think that's still a very small segment of the world of watches. But again, I think there's there, there's a lot of things that could be done there. Uh, but just playing around with that idea for now, I haven't uh, dived into it. Yeah, Adol, do you think it's a market that's growing or subsiding? Obviously, in recent history, at Rolex as well as a couple other brands have had a bit of a pushback on just the process and advertising. If you customize your watch, you ain't getting it serviced. <clears throat> so, do you think it's actually a decreasing thing, or is it? you know, well, just tootle along as a thing for everyone in a day. Well, the first thing I'll do is look at the fact that a lot of companies <clears throat> have basically started making production versions of the mods. Um, Casio comes to mind, for example, where a lot of their watches basically began life as like things that they can do and modify. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we should do that from the translucent ones to now the, the ones that are made out of, um, uh, you know, various carbon materials. There was, you know, people were modifying their G-Shock case, removing the resin and putting a carbon one. I, wrote about one years ago. So I think that if it wasn't for that market to get inspiration, uh, you know, uh, Casio and others wouldn't be making those. So I'd say it's pretty, it's pretty big. Um, it's very regional. I, I would say that in, in certain places in Asia, Malaysia, for example, possibly Japan, it's a lot more popular. There's just more of an appetite for it. A lot of it is done there. Um, you know, in, the Se in Seiko's and, and others, especially Seiko is cheaper now, I'm not so sure. Uh, but, you know, with the new Seiko 5s, I guess they're doing a lot of things there. I I'm sure that, you know, Seiko could make watches were more difficult to mod if they wanted to, but they don't. I think they um, respect the practice and I think that they like it. Um, 
I think other brands like Rolex obviously are viciously against it, but I think there's something to be said about having a more open source so to say watch that uh, is mod friendly i know in the computer world that's been very good and a lot of other types of areas um, having watches that serve as popular platforms that can be modified uh, could be good for business um and i'd say that really only the japanese brands have uh, ever you know sort of stumbled on that i'm not sure if any of them do it intentionally uh but the swiss you know if they want artists and others to take their watches and do things they've been selling their movements for years and then what what do people do they just put a case around it sort of like a mod so they're familiar with this practice. So um, I think it'll be interesting to, to see a little bit of that. You have a lot of white labelers uh, out there. So I'd say regionally, it's, it's kind of popular uh, it's here and there. But for the mainstream, I'd say not really. Well, one of the things that obviously does count as modification in some way, shape or form is when you change the strap on a watch. And David, you have had the experience of doing the genre so and actually getting a bespoke strap tailor-made for your zodiac uh quite like this uh watch strap what's the what's the story how how did this come about and and how did you choose this watch to use this strap on yeah uh i th i thought that this is an interesting project this is about uh jean rousseau um the french strap makers uh bespoke um strap service so it's uh it's Basically, a service where you can decide on any number of different um, aspects of a strap, and they set up this um, this query basically that's like eight, nine, ten questions long, and it's only then that you realize how many different aspects there are to a watch strap that make it what it is, and uh, you realize that you you probably have a very specific taste in straps. Like, how much padding do you like? You know, what should the end be like? Should it be like pointy or rounded or cut off or whatever? And so they allow you to um, to fully customize uh, a strap, and that's what we did here. It's uh, for the Zodiac Super Seal Wolf, which is a dark gray, like gunmetallic gray, coated case with some orange accents and uh, some white hour markers and uh, luminous material in the hands. And I figured it could be fun to swap this watch around because it came on this dark gray bracelet which of course is very cool but that's one look and how do you go for another look it's basically by creating a contrasting um, option and so the strap ended up um, being this white fabric strap um, that is waterproof and it has this gun metallic gray um, mm, stitching um, to go with a contrast and also to uh, just make you know just to connect the two things like the strap and the and the case visually and the lining on the inside as a super smooth rubber that is orange and makes the orange elements on this on the on the watch head really pop. And so it was a cool experience. It comes in a very nice case. It's beautifully presented. You understand that it's made specifically for you. And I, I thought to myself that this is a really cool experience. And it's not cheap by any stretch of the imagination because one of these projects uh, start at uh, 240 in skin and 300 in rubber. Um, so you do have to like reach into your pockets a little bit more if you want to um, just um, you know um, spend on this. But once you do, I think that it's easy to get hooked on getting straps that are exactly right for your watch. It's it's just next level in in every way. Ed Ariel, do you big, have big buckets of straps sitting in a corner of your office somewhere? You could always use more straps. I mean, David's <laughs> experience is probably fun. 
and amazing, but as he said, it's expensive, but also, you know, time consuming if you have a lot of watches. So I think that for people who have the patience uh, and the budget to do that, it can be very, very rewarding. Um, but, it, you know, I, I don't I don't really know the best place of just sort of getting straps to have a, a lot of extras. People tend to probably buy them for a specific watch and then they have sort of <laughs> a graveyard of straps and they try to repurpose them. I think that's sort of the way it is for me that I'm just sort of lucky that I've accumulated straps but i always feel like there's more i always wish i had more more colors more styles more options because it can be such a joy uh, to properly fit like the right strap with a watch especially when the stock strap is just so awful which is really too often yeah. the case i think citizen okay. ed do you have a big bucket of straps sitting somewhere uh, you know, I'm actually, I keep my strap collection pretty minimal. I also have a graveyard of straps, but I'm like forever on the search for the specific kind of strap. I mean, I, I find that I usually only ever wear my watches on the bracelet if it comes on a bracelet or I tend towards rubber. Cause I, I'm one of those guys that always has a watch on. I shower with my watches. I know don't, don't at me, but you know, I, uh, no, no, I, I'm with you in that. I, I shower with my watch. I sleep with my watch. I take it off to clean it, uh, clean the skin underneath, obviously. But then uh, at all times, I have a watch on. So, you know, the the water resistance is very important. So I tend to end up gravitating towards uh, rubber straps or uh, waterproof sailcloth straps. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of a particular thing that I like. I don't really love NATO straps. I have been on the hunt for the perfect NATO and it just... I don't think my wrist is meant for it. Like for some reason, it's just, I can never get a good fit. I'd never like the extra fabric, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'm looking at the photos of the, the watch that David um, uh, photographed with the JR straps. And it's really nice. Like I, it really does. It is that difference. Like with a tailored suit, like you look at the, un, the underside and how it fits at the lugs. It's like perfect. I'm, I'm actually like really quite surprised by it, but um yeah this is something that kind of itches that that part of my watch collecting in terms of straps where i feel like i can never find a perfect strap well maybe you should just have one made for you perfectly and then you won't have that problem so well do be sure and join us next week where we have a perfectly legitimate rant about watch bracelets and how you extend and retract them because i know that david and ariel have been been particularly animated on the WhatsApp group this week <laughs> yes. about their 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 love of all things bracelets. So that's next week's sequel. Uh, let's uh, head in for some rounding up of the show. We're going to do some hit miss, maybe. And see, there's four of us. It might take a smidgen longer. So first up this week is on hit miss. Maybe it's the Morris Grossman fifteenth fifteenth. How can you have an a fifteenth anniversary? Morris Grossman fifteenth <laughs> anniversary back page green watches plus a one off anniversary tremblage article by Mike on the website. Putting aside the ridiculousness of fifteenth as an anniversary, what do we think of this watch? Hit miss maybe Ed. Uh it's uh I don't love the purple hands, but uh it's a very pretty watch i actually really do like the tremblage i did get to stop by their booth uh dubai watch week and check out both uh the back page and the tremblage 
the anniversary dial, you know, I don't love the years on it. I love everything else about that watch, actually. I just don't love uh, how prominently displayed the years are. Um, so, yeah, if it didn't have it, if it didn't have the uh, years and it was just the regular 10 trend lodge, I'd be definite hit. Uh, back page. Yeah, sure. Give it a hit. Give it a hit. Uh, David, hit miss maybe? Oh, having seen these watches hands-on and the quality that they exude, it's uh, it's always going to be a hit for me. Even if the design does not particularly speak to me, it's then it's still, uh, these are amazing watches. So hit for sure. Okay. Ariel? Uh, Moritz Grossman knows how to make a really nice watch and the components tend to be very good. This is not one of their prettier watches and it has all kinds of problems from the name to elements of the design and the colors. Uh, the whole story about it feels very forced. It, it definitely looks like it was sort of made by committee. Um, you know, I understand that they need to keep making, you know, more watches, but I think that they're a perfect example of a company that should just sort of like be stoic. And we have like, these are our models. And each year we have a couple of special ones, but these are our models. We think they're great. And they just sort of build upon them slowly. They could look very disciplined. Rather, we've seen them be frenetic with a bunch of random weird designs all over the place. And if that sells, okay. But it's just not the direction I personally want to see this brand going. And so overall, I like the brand a lot, but this this watch is a miss for me. Yeah, I am a big fan of Morris Grossman, but I'm sorry. This watch is horrible. I, I It really does look like it's... Uh, yeah, I, maybe it's... I'm not saying the photography is bad, but maybe it just doesn't photograph well. This act, this looks like something to me that would come, like on some sort of knockoff site. To be perfect, I really, really dislike this. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just. I'm sorry. I love Morris Grossman. One of some of my they make some of my favorite watches. Some of my this favorite is, friends are named Grossman. Some of my favorite <laughs> friends are Grossmans. Uh, I mean the the what's the bump 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 uh, not the the bump movement what's that called oh I've lost my place here uh, the pendulum movement uh, you know like what a, I mean like a detent uh, oh what's the I'm actually on their website now because it's completely gone out of my head I'll I'll edit it in when I remember. <laughs> I don't remember what they've been. <laughs> and the power of being the editor means I can now insert that the Morris Grossman watch I was referring to is called the Hematic. Back to the show. They make a nice power reserve. They, make, they do make a nice power reserve, but this is such a miss. If there was a if there was an option beyond miss, this would deserve it. So sorry. Mega miss. Mega miss. I do <laughs> love your watches, but this, gross this, this this is a this a is gross. gross. This is there's no man about this. This is just gross. Right, uh, new release Bell and Ross BRX5 Green Loom Watch. Like we always say, what's not to love about a Bell and Ross? It's such a hit. More loom, more loom. David, is that just a summary? It's a hit for you. More loom, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. yes, <laughs> very yes. So I didn't get to shoot it, but I saw this watch in person. And look, I admit, you know, we've all talked about glowing watches we all love loom david loves it a lot more than everyone else (laughs) 
<laughs> but the thing that, is, just, just put diamonds on it and it's a complete watch oh for demons. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> this watch, when it's not glowing, is like that sickly green color, right? And it's <laughs> bloody expensive. So I think it's Secret interesting, green. but there's like other it is. It's like you know, it looks like dried up <laughs> ectoplasm from when you were playing with Ghostbuster stuff as a kid. Like it's not a really pretty color. Um, you know, and uh <laughs> I, I, I just, people need to know this. So it's, it's, you have to keep like a torch in your pocket. It has to be always glowing. You're like, oh, it's looking funny again. It's, it's just, it's, look, I love that they did it. We love Bell and Ross for this stuff. But I just, when people are like, oh, this is the next best thing. No, this is an art, art watch. Just, you know, leave it at that. Ed. Oh, easy hit. I mean, yeah. Glow in the dark. That's all. I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> just i'd rather be another you. color like the blue or the red like you can make the luminant other materials they're not quite as dark bright as green green really is kind of the brightest one but like i think in that blue or red loom material it could be a little better i just that sort of electric neon like mega urine look it's just i just can't look at it all the time did you just say mega urine yeah <laughs> i've been trying to use mega you, a lot in this call yeah did you get did you get that from the press release was that a descriptor of the of the color mega no urine? i'm just i'm just saying you know in little bits like on a watch dial the green looks limited but like when you see it in a whole watch case it's massive amount of this color and most people just aren't used to seeing that much that's what i'm saying when you see it in person you're like over i'm like wow that's a lot of like neon green yeah that's what's cool about well, it. i think we'll be <laughs> I think that's a that's a section we'll be clipping for the intro. <laughs> Ariane's mega okay. urine watch. All right. uh, okay, so Brelum Pilot GMT LE3 chronometer watch. I have to say, I think this is one of the best, like most complete chronograph releases. Nice brand, nice movement, nice price. Just, yeah, love it. Big hit. But other opinions are available. Ariel? It, it's okay. I I have a few Brellums. I I remember when they first started. They haven't changed too much. This watch is a bit on the thicker side uh, in person. And, uh, you know, you, you might love the hands. You might not. Um, but overall, you know, they, they do a good sort of vintage sports watch style. But it is, again, a larger timepiece. So I think that it looks great in images. But people need to try this on to see if the size and proportions work for them i mean i would i've never seen one in person or handled one in person but on paper it's a huge hit i'm a big anything that's got pilot aesthetics i'm basically sold but it's really nicely done it's really legible i mean my only gripes about it are that the sub dials feel a little busy i feel like yeah that could have been improved a little bit but otherwise i love that watch and david well it's uh it's a week maybe for me um, with the 7750 architecture and this with all the lines and it's just like these um, horizontal lines and the sub dials and a lot of like just graduations everywhere. It's got a lot going on and they made it work, um, but I, it's just, I'm just not sure this is the one that I would get. A bit busy. Good yeah. stuff. Well, I, that is the formal section of the watch reviews over for this week but let's find out what david or danger Breden is up to for the rest of the week mm, i'm i'm reviewing a sega design watch of all things uh i just received it in the mail uh thankfully it was not returned because sometimes the post office here just 
oh, this was not delivered. Bam, back it goes to freaking like Shenzhen. <laughs> you know, after like, you have like one afternoon to take delivery. But no, this time it, it spent some time there and I could still pick it up. It's the, um, it's the Eye of Horus watch collection, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, I was very positively surprised um buy it it's light it's did you mean the eye of horus <laughs> le, le <eye>. yes thank <laughs> you thank you <laughs> and and yeah and it's uh it's a cool one so i'm looking forward to reviewing that great stuff ed once you tear yourself away from taking pictures in japan with french words on them what else are you up to next uh i've got a ton of photos to edit from dubai watch week so that's gonna take up a, a good chunk of my time and then uh it's funny while i'm here i've been picking ariel's brains and also would love if you guys can send me recommendations after we're done recording if you have any uh i want to do some watch shopping in in tokyo because uh i've never done that and i really want to and i want to see what deals are out there so yeah spending other people's money a favorite habit <laughs> to send something to you i just while you're talking about uh photography most difficult watch to photograph at the show and most difficult booth to photograph in because there's always one oh there's always one booth or watch that everyone goes that's just a nightmare what was it this year uh all the all the group of seeds are impossible or well, not impossible they're very difficult to uh to photograph as the names you know imply with the convex uh, mm. shot one of those it's just so many angles and then to answer your second question which kind of flows into that first part is that man dubai watch week is not it's a really challenging place to take photos because there are these inexplicable purple streamers above you in every booth so there's no there's nothing to bounce light off of if you try and bounce right. light up there you're getting this purple purple glow on all your watches and you're like oh this uh, this watch looks really purple for some reason and you look up and it's like well that's because there's streamers there so uh all boosts is the answer all boosts were difficult to photograph in um but yeah as far as the watches go particularly the uh group of forces are pretty difficult but they're a ton of fun to play with so you know it's a plus and minus Great stuff ariel you're flitting to new york shortly anything watch related that you can share with us yeah, so the Citizen Group is opening up a pretty big uh, store. I think it's on Fifth Avenue, and uh, it's interesting. It's going to be a mega store. I got to use mega again <laughs> of multiple brands. Thankfully, so. you didn't use the word unit again, so that's fine. <laughs> I don't like to use that word. Um, so it's going to be Citizen and Bulova and Alpina and Frederic Constant and maybe even cool. Arnold and & Son um, right. and Angelus, possibly, because you know they own Le Jeu Parade. So there's um and there's and there's and there's other you know other things there that are going to be interesting to see. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that store. And I'm wearing a watch that uh, I will be reviewing that I've been waiting over over a decade to wear. And uh, it's the um it's it's the Gelfman Nixie Tube watch. It has um some letters and numbers associated with it. But this is a a watch that has two Nixie tubes in it and um connects to your computer so you can make some adjustments to it. It's I just started wearing it, but I think what's interesting, it's surprisingly well-refined. Like, all the features you think it should have, you're like, oh, can you make it so it turns on when you lift your wrist? And like, yeah, they put the accelerometer in there. So all these years of refinement has allowed to have that 
one of the most satisfying nerd watch experiences um maybe ever excellent well to a week of satisfying nerd watch experiences we hope that you good listeners get your nerd watch experiences uh, collectively this week and that you will join us again next week so thank you very much for listening please leave a review on your podcaster of choice uh, uh, goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from from the three of them goodbye thanks everyone bye thank you for listening bye bye see you guys